Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Um, We'll be in uh, verses 8 through 15 this morning. We did 1 through 7 last week, and uh, we will get back to Genesis whenever we get through with Romans, which who knows how long it's going to take us to get through Romans. Romans chapter 1. Thanksgiving is on our minds, and we think about the turkey, and the pumpkin pie, and the cranberry sauce, and all the wonderful fixings of Thanksgiving. And uh, we know as believers what Thanksgiving is all about. It's giving thanks. It's giving thanks to God for um, what He has done for us. And uh, there's a, real, a, a good tie-in with today's message because today's message is also about giving thanks. Uh, we've seen in the psalm that uh, uh, Mike read from uh, about how we give thanks for his steadfast mercy never ceases. You know, his love endures forever uh, to generation and beyond generation. We thank God because he is faithful. Uh, we thank God, uh, as we sang this morning, we thank for giving his son for us and leaving his spirit with us that gives us strength and empowers us to be able to serve him. And uh, Paul here says this morning, he gives thanks for the Roman Christians who, he's, um, who he is writing to. And as a pastor here, uh, I, 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 uh, I can uh, come alongside what Paul here is saying, and I am thankful for you who are here today. I am thankful. Uh, Paul also says he's eager to preach to you, and I'm eager to preach to you this morning. I hope you can tell that I'm eager this morning. Let's go ahead and look at our text, beginning in verse 8 of Romans chapter 1. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayer, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unawares Brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us. 
Your word is precious to us. And give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey. Father, help us um, to understand what your word is speaking to us this morning. And give me grace and strength as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we looked at Paul and he, uh, this, this uh, beginning of the letter is just like any beginning of the letter. He introduces himself and that's what we looked at last week. He, uh, he talks about how he was an, a servant of Jesus. He was an apostle. He was set apart for the gospel of God. Uh, and he preached about uh, what was already revealed in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, uh, about how Jesus would come and he would die and he would raise from the dead. He was preaching the gospel. And here, uh, as is often that comes in a letter, after the salutation, after he introduces himself and addresses his audience, he is thanking God. He gives a thanksgiving, and that's normal for a letter. And so let's look and see what he is thankful for. The first thing he says, first, first, you know, what's funny is if, as we look at this, it says first, and we're expecting a list, right? We're expecting it to say, well, first this, and second this, and third this. But Paul seems to get so excited, he names first, and then he forgets to say anything else about next, and third, and fourth, you know. <laughs> um, I guess that's what a preacher is like. Well, first this, and then you never... <laughs> first, I thank my God. He's thanking God... For, uh, well, through Jesus Christ. He's thanking God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who gives him the power to be thankful. In our own sin, in our own fallenness, if it were not for what Jesus had done, we would have no thankfulness in our hearts. We would be bitter. We would be lonesome. We would be cut off. We would be enemies against God just shaking our fists at Him. And yet... Paul is able to thank God through Jesus and he thanks Him for, the text tells us, you. He's speaking of the Roman Christians. And why is it that the Roman Christians are, are, are is something that causes Paul to thank God? He says, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Now, Paul had not yet been to Rome. This is before he ever went to Rome. Paul did not found the Roman church. Instead, he desired to go there. You know, we can look at Paul's journeys in, in the book of Acts and how he uh, uh, had taken this first missionary journey up in the Turkey and Asia Minor and he, on his second missionary journey, you know, he had the Macedonian call and he went into Greece and all that. And then the, the, the third missionary journey, um, all of those, and he still hadn't made it to Rome yet. And when he finally goes to Rome, it's by the hand of Roman soldiers taking him there to take him to prison because he had appealed to Caesar. We know a little bit of the story from the book of Acts. But he longed to go to Rome and he's writing to these Roman Christians because he wants to see some fruit among them. The, the church has already been there. It's already established even without him being there. Now Paul, he's the... Apostle to the Gentiles. God told him, go to the Gentiles. Peter and the other apostles, they're going to go to the Jews. But you, Paul, 
Go to the Gentiles. He's going to be the, the one who reaches the Gentiles. Well, Paul doesn't even have to get there, and they're already believing. What a reason for Paul to give thanks. I've been hearing about your faith all the way over here in Greece. The whole world is hearing about your faith, Paul tells these Roman Christians. And then Paul says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Now that's a long, tangled sentence. And we need to break it down just a little bit. Um, He is saying, God is my witness, and then it kind of breaks into this parenthesis. He then explains about the God who he is um, uh, invoking here uh, as he prays. For God is my witness that without ceasing I mention you. And you know, we skip over this little parenthesis. He's, he's saying, I pray for you, and, and God is my witness. Uh, he, he, he sees me. Uh, he is the one who can affirm that I'm praying for you, is what he says to these Roman Christians. For God is my witness, I'm praying for you. That without ceasing, without ceasing, he's, he's constantly praying for these Roman Christians. Constantly praying, giving thanks because he's heard about the faith that they already have and because he longs to see them in person. He says, giving th- uh, that, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayer, asking that somehow by God's will, I may at last succeed in coming to you. He longs to come and see them. And we also see here, there's been a long period of time that he's wanted to see them and he hasn't been able to, right? He says uh, uh, um, that I might now at last succeed in coming to you. He's longed for this for some time. And, and he knows that it's going to be by God's will. You know, it's funny, he's, he, he's, he, so many things have prevented him along the way from coming to the Roman Christians And when it's finally God's will for him to come, he comes in chains. He comes in a ship, and he's shipwrecked, and all of those things. And that's how, by God's will, he makes it there to Rome eventually. By God's will that I succeed in coming to you, and then he gives us another reason, for I long to see you. He desires to see these Roman Christians. And the reason, he gives us another reason, the reason he wants to see them is so that, he says, I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Now we read about the spiritual gifts in places like uh, 1 Corinthians 13 to 15, somewhere in there. Uh, No, no, uh, 12 to 14. 12 to 14. And we think of all the spiritual gifts of, of uh, uh, maybe tongues and wisdom and prophecy and all of those kinds of spiritual gifts. But I think Paul here clarifies himself uh, whenever he says uh, he, he wants to impart some spiritual gift to strengthen them. And he says that is in verse, 11, uh, verse 12. That is. What is? Well, it, the, the spiritual gift that he wants to impart to them, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith both yours and mine. 
He wants to come to these Roman Christians so that they can be mutually encouraged. He's going to come there and He's going to preach the Gospel to them, yes? He's going to preach the Gospel to them and He's going to declare the whole counsel of God. He's going to to help them to grow to more maturity as He comes there. And He's also going to be mutually encouraged. He's going to be encouraged by the Roman Christians when He gets there. They're already believers before He ever makes it. And they're going to encourage Him as He comes. So He longs for this to take place. Let me come back a little bit. Now, we saw there was this little parenthesis after, for God is my witness. And then He says, whom, and that is God, I serve with my spirit in the Gospel of His Son. So He's describing God. It's the God whom I serve And uh, Paul here, he identified himself as a servant of God in verse 1. This one who's called him to be an apostle. He says, uh, I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Now the Holy Spirit empowers Paul just like he empowers each believer, just like he empowers us. We have no power to serve God apart from his spirit dwelling in us. Anything we do will fall flat apart from His Spirit. So, I serve God with my Spirit in the Gospel of His Son. So, it's the Gospel that empowers Him along with the Spirit. Uh, He he is motivated by the Gospel. He wants to get this message out of Jesus' death and resurrection and how we can be saved from our sins. We can be saved. This is what motivates him. The Spirit within him and the Gospel of his Son. And that's why he prays that he would be able to come to these Roman Christians. He longs to come because he wants to impart to them a spiritual gift and mutually be encouraged. There's so many things we can see here in what we've read so far. First of all, I'm not the Apostle Paul. I don't believe that the gift of being an apostle or the office of being an apostle is something that's even still existed in the church today. That was something for the New Testament times. But I can relate to Paul as he thanks God for these people. Because I can thank God for each of you. Thank God that, uh, that He's called me here to preach the Gospel to you. And second, Paul here says, God is my witness that I pray for you regularly. You know what? That's my calling for you too. That I would pray for you. That you are... That those of you who are here and under the preaching of God's Word here at Redeemer Baptist Church, I'm called to pray for each one of you. I hear what Paul here says, as God is my witness, I never cease to pray for you. And I just have to admit, <coughs> I don't have the fervency of Paul. Yes, I pray for you, but I can't say without ceasing. I've got so many things on my plate. And you know what? just needs to encourage me. The, the Scriptures need to show me as I, as I preach them to you. I'm also hearing it myself. 
And I need to be all the more fervent in my prayer for you. And he says, whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of his son. This is for all of us, not just me, not just the preacher. When we serve God, we need his spirit. We need his spirit to empower us in order to be able to to serve. and, And then in the gospel of his son. We've got to have the gospel in order to be able to serve God. We need to have a life that's changed. We need to have a life that is empowered by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know, we can do a lot of um, service projects. We can help people. We can do all these kinds of things that make people look at us and say, oh man, that's a really good guy. But it's all for nothing if it's not motivated by the fact that we have a changed heart through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is what should be our motivation. When we help people, not only that we can communicate that to them, we can communicate the gospel. Maybe if they ask us, why are you doing this for me? We can say, well, it's because of the difference Jesus has made in my life. And we talk to them about the gospel. But also... um, The Gospel just is our motivation. Jesus came out of heaven. He uh, served us by dying for us. And therefore, we want to be like Him so we serve others willingly, without cost. Even when it costs us just as it costs Jesus. And other things. Paul wanted to come to these Roman Christians because he wanted to be able to be mutually encouraged by them. You know what? Isn't it encouraging when we can come together on a Sunday morning and see each other's faces and encourage one another and pray for one another? Do we feel like Paul, do we long to be together where we can see one another's faces and encourage one another? Or when Sunday morning comes around, we're like, well, got to get up. Time for church again. We want to be like Paul. We long to be together. We long that we can mutually encourage one another. And when, we, when we come and we encourage one another, just by our presence, you know how, how encouraged you might feel whenever you look around and you see that we're not an empty building. <laughs> And how much encouragement that, that you see, you don't even have, well, for that first one, you don't even have to say anything. Just be here and you're encouraging people. But also, when we share our hurts, when we share the things that we're going through, that, that is an encouragement. It encourages others to pray. It encourages others because we know we've also got our own things that we're struggling with. We know we're not alone. So Paul here, he longs to come and be with these Roman Christians just as we ought to long to come and be together that we can be mutually encouraged as we meet together. Where did I leave off? Paul in verse 13 says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented He's wanted to, but God's will hasn't yet brought him there. 
I long to, but I've been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Not only for mutual encouragement, but Paul wants to go there so that he can reap a harvest. He wants to reap a harvest. Uh, you know, his calling was to go to the Gentiles to preach the gospel and see many people saved, come to know Jesus. And he wanted to come. The, the, the Roman church is already an established church. They're doing fine. But Paul knows if he goes there, not everybody in Rome is a Christian. He wants to go there so that he can preach there too and see even more saved. He wants to go there um, that he can see the believers strengthened and built up. The fruit isn't only in the conversions that we see, but it's also in the lives that are, are changed as we come to know more of Jesus. And then he says, I am under obligation, this is Paul, speaking, to both Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the fools. The Greeks, of course, is who... Greeks, probably here, Gentiles, but, uh, you know, the Roman world, uh, they, they spoke Greek and things were... They, they, the, the world at the time had been Hellenized, had been made into a Greek kind of world because of what Alexander the Great had done before. The Greeks preceded the Romans, and so the Greek culture was all around. And so he came to the Greeks, those who were cultured, who knew Greek culture, who, and also to the barbarians. What does he mean by the barbarians? Um, barbarians, they got their name, they were called bar barbarians because they were the ones who didn't speak Greek, who didn't speak the, the language of the cultured people. And so they were called barbarians because uh, whenever they would speak, the, the cultured Greeks, they would look at them and, and it, was, it sounded like bar, 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 bar. And so they called them barbarians. They were the uncultured uh, people from these Germanic tribes or other places in, in Europe that would come into Rome. But Paul said he's under obligation to preach to both Greeks and to barbarians. Both the cultured, both the wise, and the barbarians, and the foolish. As a church, we are not the Apostle Paul, but we have the same mission. The same mission that Jesus gave in the Great Commission to go to every nation and make disciples of every nation, baptizing and teaching them, and God has placed us right here in Panama. We are under obligation to the people in this community that we will get the gospel to them. He's placed us here for a reason. We have an obligation to make sure that, you know, we cannot be in control over who accepts and who doesn't. We can, we can uh, wear ourselves out going door to door every day ex explaining the gospel to people and we are not in charge of who believes. But we are responsible. We are under obligation to get the message out. That is our obligation, just as it was the Apostle Paul's. 
And not just like Paul says, he, to the Greek and to the barbarian, to the, to the wise and to the foolish, our obligation as we preach the Gospel here in this community is both to the well-to-do family and to those who others might look down on. Our obligation is to the entire community. To those who are addicts, to those who are alcoholics, to those who, uh, who are um, of every class of, of society that you can imagine. We're under obligation to all of those. And so, Paul says, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And we're not in Rome, and we're not the Apostle Paul. But are we eager? Are we eager? I'm eager to preach to you. And we have a community out there that needs Jesus. Let us all be eager to proclaim this gospel message. The gospel message that changed my life. That changed your life. The gospel message that can change their lives. That can change this community. This is the gospel message. That Jesus Christ came and He died for sinners of whom I am chief, Paul said. And He rose again and He's called us to take this message to the ends of the earth. But we can't go to the ends of the earth if we can't reach this town. May God empower us by His Spirit and by the Gospel to preach the Gospel to proclaim this gospel to every home in Panama. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.